0: Please note, if you're listening to this, you must be 18 years of age or older. This podcast contains adult themes and may include descriptions that listeners could find offensive. Thank you. As I experience certain sensory input patterns, my mental pathways become accustomed to them. The input is eventually anticipated and even missed when absent. Data. Star Trek Next Generation.
1: Welcome to the Kinky Nerdy Polly Podcast. This is Episode 28. Hello, this is Al, reporting in from the 24th century. Just want to let you know that in this episode we'll be discussing spoilers for various series in the Star Trek franchise. Most especially, Star Trek The Next Generation. Also, there is a brief discussion about sexual assault. A timestamp will be included in the show notes for people who want to skip that content. Hello, I'm G. I'm M. And today we are going to be talking about Star Trek. Mostly TNG. Mostly TNG, but uh, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the other series. But M, why are we focusing mostly on TNG? Because that is the one that I have watched the most of. So... And you're nearly done with TNG,
0: right? Nearly done. I have a couple episodes left that I have been just putting off, which
1: is shame on me. No shame on putting things off in 2020. You know,
0: season seven just got too weird at the end.
1: Oh, yeah. The uh, Scottish ghost sex. Scottish ghost
0: sex got really weird. That episode with the evolution stuff. Fascinating, but weird.
1: Yeah. But yeah, we're going to be talking about Star Trek. It's a great television franchise started by Gene Ronberry back in the day. It's been a really progressive TV franchise for the most part. I believe it had the first interracial kiss on American television. Yeah. Uh, the original series had an episode whose message could be boiled down to uh, racism based on your skin color is really stupid. Yeah. Uh, for those who are curious, that episode is let that, be your last, let that Be Your Last Battlefield. I also see Max put a note here about Native American representation in season seven.
0: Yeah, season seven of TNG. Well, I think we watched this one together, G.
1: Yes. Yes. the episode where Wesley yes becomes an energy being.
0: Yeah, which was weird. But also, like, the rest <laughs> of the episode, I felt like, you know, had a pretty decent Native American representation. I had looked it up while we were watching it because I was curious if those actors were actually Native American, and they are. So I felt like at least on that level it's good. And also, I think it did a good job because, like, Wow, holy crap, it made me uncomfortable seeing like Picard handling some of these things. And you're like, "Oof, that's not the way to do that." And I think they kind of address that well. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not Native American or Indigenous, so I can't really speak on behalf of those people, but the representation was there.
1: Also, there is a Native American main character on Star Trek Voyager, but my understanding is that his depiction has had a somewhat mixed reception. Okay. By Native Americans and indigenous peoples. Mm-hmm. But also I'm not an expert on that and I'm not Native American or indigenous myself. So uh, let's see. What else? Uh, other progressive things. One of the first lesbian kisses on American television.
0: Yeah. Which, um, which, what series or which? um? Deep Space Nine.
1: So okay. you'll be seeing, be it, seeing it eventually mm-hmm. once we start rolling through Deep Space Nine.
0: There's also a lot of just in general, a lot of representation of women in really important roles, leadership positions, governmental positions, and all across the spectrum of just, you know, they show the importance of various jobs and women are often on the forefront.
1: Yeah, Uh, let's see. Also, as far as I remember, this is the first positive depiction of polyamory I can remember, which was in Star Trek Enterprise. With Doctor Flocks, who has three wives, and each of his three wives have three husbands. So this is more more of a
0: polygamy esque style, but because it's it's restricted to, well, no, I guess if I'm not really sure, I each of the three wives have three
1: is, husbands. Yeah, I think polygamy is specifically specifically men have multiple wives. Men have wives. multiple
0: wives, right? So this is more of a polyamorous situation.
1: Yeah, I think polyandry is when wives have multiple Multiple husbands husbands. right yes but you also mentioned after i wrote that note that you remembered there being some other polyamorous depictions in tng
0: yes not really remembering it off the top of my head i apologize
1: no worries seven seasons is a lot it's a lot yeah and let's be honest that scottish ghost sex takes up a lot of mental space
0: (laughs) (laughs) so weird but also i was very inspired
1: Uh, let's see. It looks like you also put a note here about Roddenberry's view. Oh, yes.
0: I found this was fascinating. Yeah. When I was going through thinking about progressiveness, actually Roddenberry in 1991, he did an interview where he actually confessed to having a lot of his own homophobia. And he said that he had to really overcome it and said that he has changed his views. He admitted that he used to say homophobic things to people on the streets and uh, to quote be funny but, quote, never actually believed those comments. And I thought this was interesting because I think it does show people can change over time. Doesn't undo the harm that he did from his homophobia.
1: Yeah, but I think that sort of summarizes, I feel like, the general message of the Star Trek franchise, which is that it encourages people that society can be better and that we can treat each other better.
0: Yes, I agree. Like, when you watch Star Trek, you feel like, there is hope for this better future and that we can work together towards that.
1: Yeah. So while M has watched mostly just TNG and a little bit of Deep Space Nine at this point, I have watched uh, basically all the Star Trek that has co- ever come out, with the exception of Picard and Lower Decks, which are two new shows that came out this past year. Lower Decks? Yeah, it's an animated cartoon.
0: Oh, interesting. I haven't heard about that yet.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit sort of more of a comedy focused show. Sort of in the Flo Jack Horseman Rick and Morty vein, except not as vulgar. Okay. I haven't watched it yet. So I don't know if it's good or not. But I've heard good things from other people.
0: Yeah, I had no idea about it until you just mentioned. So that seems that seems pretty cool.
1: And uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about TNG. It looks like the first thing you want to talk about is sexuality, kink, and non-monogamy in TNG.
0: Yeah, there's just there's a lot of it. Um, and I apologize because I actually didn't end up ex I didn't end up expanding a lot on the non- non-monogamy piece here. However, I might talk about my own theories about certain characters. Okay, to start out, I, I definitely want to talk about Riker. So Riker, you know, he's the ladies' man. Um, He's a a little bit of a player in not a bad way. And he's very promiscuous, in my opinion. And at first, I, like, didn't really like him that much because, like, I wasn't sure, like, where was he going with this flirting? Like, how did he actually view these women that he was coming on to? And so it, like, kind of squeaked me out a little bit. Yeah. But I think he does make it clear that consent is really important to him. And that kind of grew on me over time. So, the fandom wiki does have a little bit of a short article on Riker's consent fetish. I thought that was an interesting way to put it. I guess we should all have a consent fetish. <laughs> but Riker is really all about it. And it, this is a quote from the article, but it says this was crystallized, this being Riker's passion for consent, was crystallized in the episode The Vengeance Factor. Just from season three, when Riker was unable to engage in sexual Congress with Yuta, a servant of the Akamarian sovereign. Sure. Who is not free to make her own choices because she is behaving subserviently. He cannot ethically proceed with a physical relationship. And obviously there's elements. So like Yuta was in a very subservient, almost like, you know, slave like kind of dynamic um, with this sovereign. And while kink and DS can be done consensually, and power exchange, can be done consensually, the way it worked out in the episode kind of went against Riker's internal feelings of consent and how he prefers to negotiate those sexual relationships. So in other words, he couldn't disentangle Yuda's actual feelings from her subservience, so he decided not to engage. And I think that's honestly really smart of him to err on the side of caution.
1: Uh, Yeah, especially, you know, I assume dealing with the different people with different social and sexual mores, you know, making that erring on the side of caution seems like a good idea.
0: Yeah. And then I remember later he was also accused of sexual assault in an episode, but it, it turns out that he didn't actually commit the act. But and he acted in line with like his character. He was, you know, again, all about consent. Mm hmm. And he was very passionate that he would not engage with someone non-consensually. But I remember when I watched that episode, it does give you a little bit of doubt at one point. Like, oh my gosh, should Riker actually do that? But you're like, I mean, if you really know Riker as a character, you you have a little bit of faith in him. You're like, oh, I don't, I don't want it to turn out that way. Yeah. So yeah, I felt like on the consent aspect of things, um, Riker does a great job and on the non-monogamy aspect of it, when I view Riker's relationship with Troy, it's it's actually a really beautiful relationship. And it's something that I constantly watch them as someone who is in a queer platonic or has been in queer platonic relationships and been like, they seem really queer platonic to me and or kind of like open. Like they, they maintain a very close emotional platonic relationship and really encourage each other to explore other people. But you can see that they really love each other and in a way that is not just, not strictly just a platonic love. At least that's how I interpreted it.
1: So, I mean, I think it's clear that there's emotions there, especially when Riker's teleporter clone comes out from the planet. I forget what what season that was. Do you remember that episode? What
0: happens again? Oh, yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. I think I'm remembering that.
1: Yeah, I guess I should say transporter clone, since that's what they're called in Star Trek. But yeah, so essentially, there is an episode where where Riker, there is some techno babble with a transporter, and essentially there are two copies of Riker that were made—one that went back to the ship and one that was stuck on the planet—and the one that was stuck on the planet was stuck on the planet for five or six years, right. And then, like, he finally gets rescued by the Enterprise. And he's like, why did nobody ever come for me? Right. (laughs) And and then he's like, wait, you you are me, but you chose not to stay with Diana, you idiot.
0: Yes. And then they try to do a thing. Yeah. And it doesn't really work out. Yeah. Because at this point, Troy's desires are also different.
1: Yeah. I mean, she's changed a lot in the past however many years it's been since right. uh, Riker was stuck on the planet and he can't, while his emotions may have helped him survive, he can't recapture that relationship with her because too much has changed.
0: Right. Yeah. Their relationship to me was just, um, it was really nice to see kind of like a non-conventional romantic relationship where it could be, for me, I think it could be, really be a polyamorous thing but where they are in a queer platonic relationship and you know are, are free to have sexual relationships with other people and fall in love with other people so and then of course you bring up g you had brought up the episode where Riker falls in love with someone from an androgynous society
1: uh yes so from what i remember the this person is essentially from a society where nobody is allowed to express their gender. Uh, They're all supposed to be androgynous all the time. And Riker tries to convince this person that uh, he's fallen in love with to essentially run away from their society.
0: Yes, because the person that he falls in love with, and I don't want to spoil too much. So maybe we should put in a little bit of a spoiler here. If you haven't watched this episode yet, it's episode is the outcast from season five of um, Star Trek TNG. So just a warning. The person that he falls in love with, of course, is is an outcast in their society because they actually do feel more feminine or more like a woman, and basically has a r- lot of really good um, chemistry with Riker, and so you know Riker does encourage them to break out of that society because that society is basically oppressing them. So there is some criticism of this episode that I found, um, and we'll link to the article about the criticism because. I didn't realize this, but apparently the episode was supposed to be a gay rights episode. Or it was supposed to have elements of gay rights.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it kind of really failed on that. So I didn't actually interpret it as even having that intention. So they really missed the mark. But what I saw instead was more of a trans queer narrative where the roles are reversed. So like the androgynous character feels like a woman, which is taboo in their culture And they're outcast for it. And in the end they're forced to undergo treatment, which was like akin to conversion therapy in my eyes. So very heavy episode and, and Riker is absolutely distraught and really tries to make sure that they don't go through this treatment. This was, it was honestly a very intense episode for me being a trans and queer individual to watch.
1: Uh, yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. It's been a while since I've watched that episode, and it was before I sort of started my own gender identity exploration, but I can definitely see that being a difficult episode to watch at this point.
0: Yeah, it definitely has some heavy themes, and I think that they're good to address, though. So while it wasn't the gay rights episode that some people were hoping for, I think it still did bring up um, a very important issue of what it means to enforce gender roles on people and how that is oppressive.
1: Yeah. And This is going to be a very link-heavy show notes. We have a lot of links. <laughs> I'm also going to be including a guide to queer identity and metaphor in Star Trek, uh, which I found, talking about you know different ways that queer identities found themselves on Star Trek and how they've been represented in Star Trek including some of the stuff we've already talked about and some other things from some series that we're not really going to talk about.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Once I've uh, watched a little bit more of Star Trek besides just uh, mostly TNG, I will definitely look back at this guide.
1: It looks like next you want to talk about homoeroticism.
0: Right. So as <laughs> she just said, this is a very link heavy episode because there was just so much like interesting articles out there about Star Trek and sexuality and LGBT stuff. So I found uh, an article from 1998, um, which we will link to you, on the colorado.edu website. And it talks about some of the homoerotic implications between Picard and Q. Let me just start out by saying, like, I hated Q. I kind of still hate Q. He's (laughs) meant to be an annoying character. Yes. And I can see, however, that the tension that is created between him and Picard, him and Picard, have made... Uh, there's like that homoerotic implications that people can take away. So the article starts out with this great quote that I'm going to read. A man climbs into bed wearing very short, skimpy, and sexy pajamas with a very wide V-neck. Another man appears in the room, lifts up the bedclothes. Is that a word? Peaks? I'd never heard that before. Okay, sorry. I
1: think it's bed sheets.
0: Yes, except this is like a term from 1998, apparently. Okay. I guess. Uh, Peeks underneath coyly, then asks invitingly, sleeping alone? Surprisingly enough, given the series' usual conventionality with regard to gender roles, the scene is from an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Let's go back to this very wide V-neck. Because, like, honestly, this is one of the things that I love about Star Trek TNG is, like, there are so many men out there wearing these awesome wide V-necks. And I'm like, yes, can we please get on this now? I want this in 2020. I want men in wide V-necks. I want to be able to wear a wide V-neck everywhere.
1: (laughs) Uh, Wasn't there also like a, a uniform that you wanted from like the early seasons? Oh yes.
0: It's not from the early seasons, but it is their formal like dress garment. They wear a formal dress. uh, The men Oh, okay. And um, yes, and it is a dress. And I'm like, that's awesome. So anyways, yeah, so this quote that I just said about this man in bed, that's, of course, Picard. And then the one who's coming up to him all coyly and asks sleeping alone is Q. So <laughs> I'm going to skip around a little bit here. Just looking for those for our KMP AF, KMP audience folks. I'm just looking there's so many show notes about this because there's so much going on anyways i'm jumping around but picard's heterosexuality is really emphasized in these episode episodes like especially with q and even q has been shown to have relationships with women so like both of them are sort of like shown to be at least somewhat heterosexual but the author of this article from 1998 argues that q quote increasingly stands for queer as the show develops I love that. And even Q's gender is up in the air, right? He portrays himself as male a good bit of the time, but, quote, Q is inevitably a quintessential anti-essentialist. He has no original form. He, quote, quotes around he, is an energy being. And, quote, he has no original or primary gender. And so, you know, like, there's some gender exploration here and there's some sexuality exploration. And in addition to that... You know, while we're focusing on homoeroticism, there's also this idea of homosocial desire, which I think does come out a good bit in TNG. So there is still a lot of cisgender and heteronormativity in Star Trek TNG, but there's also uh, like a lot of emphasis on these close platonic male bonds, which is so good. And more shows need to show this positive, compassionate male bonding and showing men taking care of each other. And so the article talks about this in terms of homosocial desire. So, you know, having these really close male friendships, I think that's a really positive thing as well.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's also important to note that Star Trek is often called like a progressive show, but it is it is progressive because the people who work on the show, like, work on it. So I think a lot of the writing for Picard and Q is not inherently homoerotic. It is the way those two actors play it that turns it into homoerotic. Absolutely,
0: yes. And actually that's something that's commented on in this article. I believe it's this the same article that um, I was just saying from 1998 that, you know, many people say that they, they thought that Q was supposed to be gay and he wasn't really written that way, but it's just like the way that the character plays Q really like makes you believe that
1: Uh, yeah if you don't mind me going a little bit of a tangent here go for it in the original series star trek the original series they had the first interracial kiss on american television and the studio executives of the time did not want that to happen so william shatner was like look let's just do it once with the interracial kiss and then we'll do it another way with we'll do another take without the kiss and you can just pick the one you want the studio executive was like, "Sure, we'll do it that way," and so William Shatner proceeds to do the scene with the kiss, and then every scene he does after that, he like purposely messes up the shot and like makes weird faces. Wow! So like in the end, the only shot they could use was the one with the interracial kiss.
0: That's pretty cool, uh, but I also have heard some controversial things about shatner right i've heard some stuff lately about him being transphobic
1: i haven't heard that i do remember i followed him very briefly on twitter like six or seven years ago and then decided i should stop following him on twitter (laughs) because it was not a particularly pleasant experience oh no yeah of course you know twitter as a whole is not a particularly pleasant experience no no that's true
0: Yes, so it says, I just pulled up an article here, William Shatner tangles with trans Twitter over the word cis. Oh yeah, he implied that like cis is a bad word. He says that he views that he's being harassed and debased by people calling him cisgender. So Uh. yeah, unfortunately there's some not great stuff there, but I'm still glad, I can still recognize and appreciate that he help to bring some progressive things to Star Trek.
1: Yeah. So then looks like you want to talk about kinky Klingons.
0: Yeah. Hold on. We're rushing this. Oh,
1: okay. Sorry. That's
0: my impression of the, of this episode is that there's a lot of like, oh, okay. Next on the list is this. Let's do it. All right. Yes. I agree. We have this awesome, like guideline of what we want to talk about, but I also want to like just leave room and breathers for like, okay, let's absorb that. Like, William Shatner might be a dick.
1: (laughs) I mean, I feel like that's something that applies to most of humanity.
0: Yes. Although, you know, this is where I've been getting into conversations with people about like, when you are famous though, you have some like media power, right? Like these people who post on Twitter who have like a gazillion followers. It's different than like Joe Schmo being transphobic.
1: Yes. Yes. So you have a platform and you can use that platform to amplify certain messages. Yes. So
0: I definitely agree. Like everybody has an asshole ish side. And then I also think that it's important for us to hold some of these people with more of this like broader platform, more accountable to their shittiness. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. But yes, I mean, I'm happy to talk about kinky Klingons. Because they're so kinky. I mean, they're very primal.
1: So I would ask, what does primal mean in this case? Uh, Since I'm not sure if we've actually talked about primal before on our podcast.
0: Yeah, I think we might have, like, talked about it a little bit maybe in the beginning when we were just, like, an overview. But primal for me is, like, getting back to our base instincts and... Kind of going with those feelings of like you know the predator prey dynamic, there's someone who's being hunted and someone who's doing the hunting. I think it also can look like you know wrestling rough body play depending on how you do it, and I've also heard primal be described as like archetypes of things, so like you choose like that thing that you want to embody, whether that's the predator or the prey or maybe it's the the hunter or maybe it's um maybe it's just like a concept like surrender or maybe it's a concept like the chase or something like that and you want to like embody like what does that feel like as a visceral experience so it tends to like in practice primal play tends to look like for me anyways like a lot of like rough body play wrestling biting
1: some scratching uh yeah i feel like a component of primal play is sort of just going with the flow of the scene not like planning things out in super detail right? and just sort of going with the ebb and flow of the energy of the scene and you know sort of doing what feels right in the moment.
0: Yeah and I think that there's also there's also room for structured primal scenes because I've definitely done one Mm -hmm. but yeah I think for me it's it's really getting in touch with those base instincts of like desire and fear and those types of things. So I just have one note here, too, that just says, bite me, because that's how I feel about Worf. And also, you know what, just like Worf is great in all of his forms, but Tai Chi Worf is a great look. I just have to say, like, I love watching Worf do some Tai Chi. And actually in season seven, you know, it's season seven is fresh in my mind since I was just watching it. There's like an episode where he gives a a test, a tai chi test to someone and he like blindfolds her and tells her to predict his movements, right? Yeah. And defend herself and she can't do it. And finally she throws off the blindfold and he gets angry and he's like, put the, put it back on, you know, do the test. And she goes, it's not fair. And he, and then he says like, okay, you, you did it. Like, that was the test. And I'm like, that's a pretty hot scene for me. There's something hot about, like, <laughs> being set up to fail, but then, I mean, like, if it's negotiated for me, because I don't like to, like, just randomly thinking I'm doing a, an awesome job and then I'm not. But I think it was, like, very clever, and I think that cleverness about Wharf also speaks to me. Okay. And it's an emotionally powerful scene, too, because he gets her to reclaim, like, I can speak up and defend myself, like this test wasn't fair and I have a right to to be treated fairly.
1: Yeah. Sort of reclaim some agency. Yes, absolutely. And you
0: know, speaking of Tai Chi Wharf, I, I really love the long hair look on Wharf. I think I talked about this in another episode that we did, um G, and I don't remember which one it was. But
1: I think it was the one where we talked about Tulpas. We did, so yeah, we I'm talked about Tulpas.
0: Honest. That must have been um kink in the time of coronavirus. I think it was that one. Maybe. I think it was.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: And Worf definitely like blended with one of my tulpas, like because I saw him with his long hair and I was like, ah, oh, that's him. And um, like that look. And Worf does have like that domineering kind of personality because you know he's a Klingon, so the the whole culture is kind of like very got a very dominating kind of attitude. Yeah. So as I was preparing for this podcast, G, yes, I just was trying to do some research on kinky Klingons because, you know, if our listeners know we enjoy researching and providing articles. (laughs) Yeah, so I was like, I want to find an article. I want to see there's an article written about kinky Klingons. So I just googled kinky Klingons and I should not have googled that. Uh, Because everything past the first link, the top link, was normal. But then all of the rest of them were linked to porn sites. Yep. And I theoretically knew that Klingon porn existed. But now it was doubly confirmed that
1: Klingon porn exists. Yeah. Klingon porn definitely exists. (laughs)
0: Let me ask you, G. This is a serious question. Have you watched
1: Star Trek porn? I have watched... A couple of porn parodies out of curiosity. Okay. I do not find it. I do not find the porn parodies to be uh, erotic or titillating. There are some fantasies I've had. Ooh, Star Trek fantasies? Yes. Tell me about one of them.
0: <laughs> does it involve <laughs> Worf?
1: It does not involve Worf. Does
0: it involve Beverly Crusher?
1: It does. Does not involve Beverly Crusher.
0: Okay, tell me your fantasy.
1: <laughs> this is this is weird to say out loud. I don't think I've ever. I mean, I no pressure though. No, no, no. This.
0: We're all about consent here. We're right up with Riker. Okay, like you don't. Yeah, if you don't want to say it. You don't have to say it.
1: It's it's fine. So. So so when I was so you haven't watched you haven't seen this alien yet I think because I don't think they really show up until. Uh, star trek enterprise but there's this race called the andorians
0: it sounds kind of familiar
1: yeah they talk about them a lot but they don't really show oh, they don't up until really show up. okay they're like a member of the federation but nobody knew how to work with the um head antenna things until later uh, when it wasn't an animated tv series okay but at some point like some andorians show up in star trek enterprise and I was like, oh, like, that blue skin and that white hair and those little, like, antenna bobby things. It was just like... Wait, I know, I'm going to re- have to just
0: Google it. You were what?
1: It was just... I don't know, I just found it really, uh, really exciting.
0: Wait, you like that you want to be one or you want to be with one?
1: Be with one.
0: You want to be with an Andorian. I'm looking at yes. them and I will say... That's an that's an interesting look I uh, I think that's cool that you would want to be with one
1: Also I feel like I've I've done the cliche one of like uh, fantasizing about the Orion slave girls the what slave girls uh, yeah so they they pop up both in um, in the original series and in enterprise what are they called? Orion, like uh, the Constellation.
0: Okay. So we get some more sleevy characters. Are they green? Yes. Oh, okay. So you're really into other colored beings,
1: like green and blue people. Apparently that's what we're figuring out right now. <laughs> <laughs> I never really thought of myself that way, but apparently, <laughs> apparently this is what we're discovering about me.
0: All right. Well, fascinating. I learned something new about you,
1: G. Yeah, like I learned that you like fishing. Okay, I
0: definitely had sent you pictures of me fishing like a year ago slash maybe even like this summer. So like you had to you. Okay. Anyways. (laughs) So getting back to Klingons being kinky, a Klingon biting someone indicates their desire to mate. And that's hot. And in Star Trek The Next Generation, there's an episode called The Dauphin. I'm pronouncing it French way. I don't know if it's supposed to be pronounced otherwise. Worf states that the mating ritual consists of a woman roaring, throwing things at the male, and occasionally clawing at him while the male reads love poetry and, quote, ducks a lot. (laughs) So (laughs) if you're really into that, then you might be a Klingon. Um, The one sad thing I think is that the Klingon society and culture, from my understanding, is not cool with homosexuality. They're very much like very, very heteronormative. And if you don't like conform to the masculine standards, then there's like, there's also a lot of that. Like, I think even for the women, also have to subscribe to those standards a little bit.
1: Yeah. And occasionally, you know, I'll see this, this temper post going around talking about what a, what a Klingon kink club would be like, and how it would actually be like, oh, people being nice to each other and cuddling each other.
0: Actually, can I talk about this? Like, it's not about Star Trek, but it is about like vanilla stuff being taboo. Okay. So okay, if you come from a society like the Klingon culture, then obviously, like their sex is going to be like a little bit more kinky naturally. So vanilla stuff can be kind of taboo, right? Yeah. And I actually found myself kind of in that predicament where I actually negotiated a scene with someone to, like, have vanilla sex with me. I was like, I am getting, like, kink is just, like, the norm for me now. I want to do it, like, cliche style. I want the mood lighting. I want the awful music. And I want it, I want it slow and I want it gentle. Okay. That stuff was kinky. I was like, wow, that definitely like hit some of my buttons right there. <laughs> so, you know, like kink is relative. Yeah. It makes me think like if I, what if I was like born in a society that was just like normally very kinky? Would I still be inclined towards the taboo? Or would I just be happy since the whole society is kinky? Uh,
1: I mean, it. I feel like a lot depends on whether the society is open to like alternative sexuality or if it's like the Klingons where you're expected to be rough and all the time.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting idea. And we're, we're approaching NaNoWriMo and I had, um, I was recently inspired to start writing a story of a, um, a very religious, kinky society. Um, okay. So I'm curious to see where it takes me, but I'm also wondering if maybe I could play around with, like, some of these characters end up feeling like kind of vanilla, and how would the society treat them? All right. So, yeah, that's that's um, that's um kinky Klingons. I texted, uh, you know, D. Yes. Okay, so I remember D is the one who got me. By the way, I should have given him a shout out in the beginning but D is the one who actually introduced me to Star Trek TNG and um so I'm forever grateful and I remember you know like as I was getting to know who the Klingons were I texted him while he was at work and I I didn't know that he was he had up his messenger on his computer and <laughs> I just wrote him like oh my god all of the all of the Klingons are so kinky <laughs> And apparently he was actually training a new person who was like watching over <laughs> his shoulder when my text message, when my message popped up. Uh, and I apologize for that. But yeah, so D also reminded me of one other thing that Worf did that I really liked. And it's not that kinky, but it's kind of kinky to me because service is kinky. And actually Worf performs a Klingon tea ceremony at some point early on. Mm-hmm. and um for me i just thought it was it was very lovely i really enjoyed um first of all it teaches you a little bit more about klingon culture yeah and i i enjoy tea ceremony in real life so that was cool i guess this is all to say i really like Worf, but i didn't go around and say all of the other characters and actually okay because i've been talking too much g let me first ask you yes of the main crew uh go around and say whether or not you would date them
1: of the main crew, like the bridge crew?
0: Yeah, plus Crusher
1: and... And LaForge? And LaForge. Okay. Are we including Tasha or Romulan oh, Tasha?
0: Oh, I hate Romulan and Tasha, but original Tasha was so cute. Um, <laughs> No, forget Tasha.
1: Okay. Uh, She's dead. So did the writers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Let's see. I could see myself dating Picard. Yeah, who can't? Who couldn't?
0: Who couldn't see themselves dating that wonderful man?
1: <laughs> I might get sick of Earl Grey tea, but I could see myself dating him. I could see myself. Well, hmm. I'm not. I am uncertain how I'd feel about dating Diana, because I feel like I often don't have like a good grip on what my emotions actually are, and it takes me a long time to figure them out. And I can't quite tell if it'd be helpful if somebody else could help me, like just read my emotions and figure it out, or it'd be annoying if somebody figured out my emotion, my emotions before me. So uncertain about that. Let's see. I don't see. I don't think I could date data. Oof, boring.
0: <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm
1: not judging. Uh, I don't think I could date, uh, wharf or or riker okay let's see beverly 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 i don't i don't think i can imagine myself dating beverly i'm not sure if i can like give you a reason why i just can't really imagine it okay let's see laforge kind of creepy to all his potential relationships i'm gonna go with no on that one
0: (laughs) yeah i really hate how they did that to him actually
1: yeah, the writers did LaForge dirty, in my opinion. They did, absolutely. <laughs> Let's see, are there any characters I'm forgetting about?
0: I think you got all the main ones.
1: Yeah. How about you? Who, Which of which, which, uh, the uh, main crew could you see yourself dating?
0: Absolutely Picard. We'd be like best buds, plus super romantic, plus I'd always drink Earl Grey with him. Yeah. Because I love Earl Grey. I wouldn't get sick of it like you would, so I'm definitely the better choice for him there. Just saying if we had to fight over him, but if... If he's, open, <laughs> if he's open to a polyamorous situation, then I guess it doesn't matter. So Picard for sure. Troy, hell yes. Love her. She's the bomb. And LaForge, no. Because like, yeah, like you were saying, he just comes across kind of creepy. And then also I don't feel like they developed his character very well. However, I have read Data x Jordy fan fiction and i do like them as a pairing okay um so i definitely date data that would probably be a very kinky relationship for me yeah he's a robot well he's an android and i want to be an android so lots of good stuff there war for sure as we know very kinky relationship riker yes but strictly a sexual relationship zero kink and zero romance okay beverly crusher no because she's too a uh, mother figure <laughs> like i can't yeah. see her as a mother figure which i know mothers like obviously have like relationships and they can have kinky relationships and they can have polyamorous relationships but it gets a little like it just got it get, i don't know
1: it's just a little weird it's a little weird unless you're into that
0: unless you yeah, exactly and if you're into that go for it so that's my that's my thing did i get all them
1: I think so. Unless you want to talk about Barkley.
0: Oh, I love Barkley. Not sure I'd be in a relationship with him, though. But I love him.
1: Yeah, I don't think I could be in a relationship with him either.
0: Really, what we just figured out is that Picard is um, amazing. And like everybody (laughs) would probably want to date him. In some capacity.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I think the, the two main things we've discovered this episode is that I like... People with different color skins (laughs) and and that everybody wants to date Picard.
0: Yeah. And of course we didn't really like, we could have just talked about so much good stuff here, but the other thing that you really liked about the show was that episode with Picard and the four lights and the interrogation scene.
1: Right. I still, I still want to. So there's this episode whose name I'm going to forget right now. Where Picard is being interrogated by Cardassian, uh, and it is tour de force of acting on both on um, both Patrick Stewart's and the and the actor playing uh, the Cardassian, and like the whole episode is like basically a giant interrogation. I've always wanted to do like a scene based off it, like maybe mixed in with a little bit of
0: nineteen eighty four. Yeah, that'd be hot
1: and like you know have like a like rig up some lights and like have a remote and just be like how many lights do you see I actually had planned out a scene like that with a uh, kink partner but that kind of fell apart but yeah i still still at some point want to do like a do like a lights interrogation scene
0: yeah that sounds super fun
1: So I know you're nearly done with Star Trek, TNG, and you just only barely started watching Deep Space Nine with me. Yes. But do you want to share some thoughts about Deep Space Nine?
0: Yeah. So we just started the Deep Space Nine and I will say it it reminds me a lot of Babylon 5, which I've watched more of than DS9 at this point. So it's very much, it's like, it's less trekky because they're not out like adventuring as much and it's much more like space diplomacy. Mm-hmm. And also an em- emphasis on religion, uh, so I am really excited about the religious piece because um, those who listen to KMP regularly might know that I have a little bit of a religion fetish in general, or belief fetish, maybe I don't know, belief kink. And so I'm really curious to see how that develops. And I like the main character; I forget his name. Like he's got a little bit of an assholeish vibe, but at the same time, like I'm, re- he's growing on me really quickly.
1: Uh, Benjamin Sisko? Yes,
0: yes. He's really growing on me. Um, And then my favorite character, as you'd asked me before, like who do I like a lot so far, is the... um, What's-his-face? Ferengi guy. Quark. Quark? Yes, Quark. Yeah, I actually... You were surprised.
1: Uh, Yeah, I was a little surprised that your favorite character was the... Unabashed capitalist who comes from a misogynistic society.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because like that definitely... um, The Ferengi society does make me uncomfortable. However, um, I think he ends up being like really great um, comedic relief so far. And also, I think that I'm hopeful that we'll see a lot of character development. There was that episode with his kid, right, where he is going to send his, his to- nephew. Oh, his nephew, where he's going to send his nephew to school.
1: Uh, that was more Rom, his father, like deciding to send his his son to school.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I just remembered like that kind of is already pushing the limitations of the Ferengi society and culture.
1: Yeah. And I will admit, I don't think this is a spoiler, but there are a lot of episodes, which not a lot, but there are going to be a number of episodes which will explore not only Ferengi culture, but the changes that are coming to Ferengi culture. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I had anticipated that. So I am I think that's why I already have taken a liking to Quark.
1: Okay. But yeah, I think that's our episode on Star Trek. Uh, we may do another one once we're finished with DS9.
0: There's just so much to say. Yeah. And like so many good things. So we definitely tried to hit on the progressive elements the representation and then also the queer polyamorous kink representation as well um trying to keep in line with our our general
1: yeah i mean honestly we could start another podcast that was solely dedicated to star trek and we would not run out of things to talk about absolutely
0: well if you enjoyed this episode please share it with your friends if you have fellow trekkies or uh you're a budding trekkie Share this with other folks that you think
1: would like it. Uh, If you like our show and you want to donate, there will be a link at the bottom of the show notes.
0: So now we have to do our sign off. Should we make it so? (laughs) (laughs) Was that too cheesy? I really wanted to throw it in there somewhere, but I wasn't sure. We should have done it at the beginning. Holy shit. I should have just been like, make it so. You know, like I really had an opportunity there at the beginning and then fuck. Whatever, it's the end, and we're gonna make it so. This is M. This is G. Don't be afraid to love how you love, love what you love, and love who you love.
1: If you'd like to get in touch with either M or myself, you can tweet us at KMP Podcast. You can find us at KNPPodcast.tumblr.com, or you can email us at kinky.nerdy.poly at gmail.com.
0: Oh, I should not have googled kinky Klingons. <laughs> 'Cause I didn't realize there was like actual porn of that. I don't know why I didn't know that. <laughs> now I, I it's been doubly confirmed. Um I didn't I didn't want the porn. But now I know.
1: Uh Kansas see had like this Tumblr post... Floating around about how, like, a kink club in in Klingon society would actually be like, like vanilla, really, really nice and gentle to each other. Yes. <laughs> ah, sorry. More, more Klingon porn. <laughs>
0: I did not need to know that that exists. Of course, now I'm going to have to go watch some of it. (laughs) 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 I'm going to have to like how after we saw that episode of Beverly with ghost sex possession, I was really into ghost sex possession.